little loud. One, how, it's a little loud still? Just, yeah. I'm a little loud too. <clears throat> All right. Welcome to the Eric Lang Show, everybody. <laughs> Sean, Sean, you're, I'm excited to have you as a guest because you're not only, you, you not only listen to the podcast and we've interacted in a lot of ways, but you're also a really, oh, you gotta, you gotta, your cable's all fucked up. <laughs> I didn't Sean, expect you to start this fast. <laughs> we just started this. Yeah. I can tell you a little bit like, oh my God. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, well, I think I'll, I could talk for a minute. You're the head. You're the superintendent of the Meadow Club, correct? Which is the first Alistair McKenzie golf course in America. That can't be right. Correct. Twenty-seven. Yep. Nineteen twenty-seven. It opened. Um, that's part of who you are. But another part of who you are is you are. I'm just going to go out and say it. What maybe one of the lead historians on on Alistair McKenzie? Um, I'm up there. Up there, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Neil Crafter in Australia is pretty much the preeminent. Really? Guy. So when he dies, you're the guy. I, <laughs> yes. I don't want him to die, but yeah. No. I'm, I'm, no one, hopefully. Yeah. If you, if you were really excited about it, that would be weird. Yeah. Um, but the other thing you are in that I think is really cool is, well, first of all, we are in, I, you asked me just a second ago, you said, what is the most exotic place you've ever recorded a podcast in? And the reason why I didn't want to answer it is because this is almost it. <laughs> we're, we're like on, we're outdoors, number one, which has never happened. I don't think, and we've never done uh, we've never done one in the hills of Marin. Is that where we are? Definitely. Yeah. Yep. Um, so anyway, there's that. But but then also, I wanted to mention that uh, I think one of the things that's cool is the way you and I met was through Instagram. You messaged and said, "I don't even." We just started talking. Well, it it Tell- goes even further back. <laughs> Does it? Yeah, 2014. Uh, you- I do remember that year. Uh, um, I got your contact information from Bob Beck. We were emailing. Oh. About Alistair McKenzie. You were thinking about doing a documentary on him. Yes. And that's how I kept in touch with you. And then all of a sudden I saw you on Adventures in Golf and I was like, is that that guy that I... Because we had never seen each other. Yeah, That's right. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I went to Pasatiempo with the Shiva Iron Society. Yep. You waited until right now to drop that on me. I thought, I assumed you knew that, but. I didn't. 2014 well, was a long time. Well, here's what happens is, Instagram, people change names. So your Instagram handle is not your name. No. What? Where does your Instagram handle come from? Um, it's just. Forward- I wish it was Greenskeeper Big Boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's just my name forwards and backwards. So it just shares the Y, goes Tully forwards and then Tully backwards, sharing the Y. Shit. That's it's all a it palindrome. Is. It's what it, yeah. Tully Lutt. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's just Tully both ways. Yeah. And unfortunately, I, I wish the Y went straight down, but it obviously kept nailing all the microphones Hit, here. Hitting the mic, trying to point a, paint a picture of the yeah of the of Y, the asymmetrical Y that Instagram forces you to. I'm beholden to them. <laughs> so, but I like it. I mean, it's you know. It's like my Twitter account. I've got a little golf ball with Tully on it, where right. I just I just took off another person's name and put my name on there because back in the day they would the company would have their stamp on it, be bigger and stuff. So. Right, right. So um, wait, so the Bob Beck and the and the Pasatempo thing. So I guess I guess for people who don't know, who are new to the podcast or new to golf, can you can you just is Alistair McKenzie your favorite golfer? Or your favorite golf course architect? Um, he's up there uh, for sure with all the 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 golf courses he worked at. Um, his influence in America today, even today. I mean, Augusta is obviously 
uh, first and foremost for most people, but um, Pasa Tiempo, Cy- uh, Cypress, Meadow Club, um, all should, um, they should stand a little brighter than Augusta. Augusta's changed so much. Um, we don't need to uh, get caught up in all the the chases there to lengthen 13 and all that other stuff. It's changed the course so much. But right. Cypress Point, I mean, it's it's just pure golf. Meadow Club, we're, we're getting there. We're we're getting there. It's it's amazing to have been here for 17 years and to see how much the course has changed. Right. Um, but, you know, McKenzie has so many layers, um, you know, his political layer that a lot of people are, we're only just learning. What do you mean? Um, Let me get this a little closer to I mean, he, he was. What do, you, what do you mean his political layer? He was, um, when he went to Australia, um, he was asked by a, a, a magazine and he wrote a story about America, how he saw it as a European specifically as somebody from the UK. And, um, I mean, it just kind of, um, I think Neil found that as well. And it was just amazing to read, you know, his description of America coming from England. And this is 1925. What was his description? Um, just, you know, the car, I mean, cause he, let's see, 25, I'm going to get the dates wrong. I don't like doing that, but, we, <laughs> um, no, no one listening will judge. You, I, don't think. <laughs> I think you're fine. Um, no, he, it was about the cars and just how fast everything was going. Oh. I mean, it, you know, automobile was really picking up steam um, in the 20s. and Yeah, definitely in through the 20s. Um, a lot of my research shows the influence of cars on golf, actually. Really? Because golf, I'm going to, you're going to see I'm going to segue all over the place. No, that's with this, good. So. I'm a fan of that. But, um, so, you know, golf in California was mostly in the cities. And then as cars and roads were developed, they spread out and, you know, people were, and there's articles where they're, they're driving from San Francisco down to San Francisco, uh, San Francisco, down to Pebble Beach to play golf. And they talk about the drive then they talk about playing and then going back. Oh, and the car itself was probably some aspect of, uh, high society, leisure, Correct. um, entertainment. I mean, there was not TVs then. Yeah. Yeah, it was, they were like, "Let's get in the car." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and they did, and and you start seeing golf spread out from the city. It gets up into Tahoe in 1917, and then uh, you know Meadow Club. I mean, your first time here. I mean, it wasn't. We're I mean, deep. We're deep. I mean, we're. I mean, they would have to take the train from the city to get to Tiburon, then take another train to get to Fairfax, and then get a car to go up the hill, a dirt road had to have been full of challenge yeah and what's interesting about meadow club is that it's it's deep up here like i mean i don't know we took our time but from oakland airport it was like an hour and a half and probably probably could have been closer to an hour and 15 but what's interesting is at any point on the property you have no visibility of any other signs of civilization (laughs) literally yeah i I saw i think i saw a road you can see i mean you got bolinas road and you can see the the outlook uh the outlook on mount tam yeah um, there's one place where you can see a house, but I didn't tell you. <laughs> oh shit! So, there is a way to see a there's house. This, we're waiting for some trees to grow up, so um, that'll amazing be erased. But yeah, uh, you're, it's you're a special co- place for sure. There aren't many places where you can confidently say you're free from all signs of life. Yeah. Do you ever? And there's also no cell phone service. <laughs> <laughs> it helps. It helps for sure. Do you ever fantasize that you'll be here during the apocalypse? Um, if there's a fire here, that'll be as close as I'll get. Um, but yeah, I plan on being up here for that too. <laughs> right. I always, I always fantasize that I'm going to be on some golf course and then four hours later I'll get off and I'll be like, wait, 
What happened, everybody? How come no one's answering the phone? <laughs> and then, and this, then, like, I'll see, I'll see signs of like aliens or this could be the place. This could be a good one. This or I would say uh, between us and Sand Hills. Are you ready to make this your forever home? Like, <laughs> like start stocking up. <laughs> <laughs> I've got quite a few Kit Kats in my in my in my <laughs> office. So we're we're hanging with Stu Bone, not to be confused with Stuart Kerr, and he uh, he disappeared, but but he's a uh, doomsday. Doomsday Prepper. He's he's got all sorts of shit for it. I think I heard you guys talking a little bit about. Yeah, that. I'm curious about it. I don't. I'm not organized enough to be a Doomsday Prepper. No, same here. So going back to golf, I was I was <laughs> someone. Someone told me to be more focused on golf. Yeah. You listen to the podcast. Do you have any notes for the podcast on how to make it better? No, I, I've enjoyed. You know, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed listening to you know, some of the actors. Right. And, I mean, golf just humanizes everybody and kind of um and golf is such a connecting sport yeah and and the way you know well ben's here ben warren right you know i've only met ben once before and that he came up here and played and now there's all these other connections through ben and you know seeing that he wrote for mckellar journal and you know it's just everything just expands when you get to meet somebody um in golf and you know we, we tend to look after each other yeah and that's the you know I mean, we had a couple, you know, three guys up here um, playing golf today from Peninsula right. and uh, Almaden, and you know, we share, and we want other guys to see our course, and other guys want to come up or or what have you, and um, and it's great to listen to the podcast. I mean, one of the things we were talking about in the podcast right now is how strong golf is, in it, at in a different way than it's they want to talk about it, and it's. It's this media-driven part aspect of it with, okay. with your podcast, The Fried Egg with Andy Johnson. Great one. You know, no laying – is it no laying up? Yeah. Um, I just started getting into those guys. Um, you know, Zach Blair's kind of um, cross-platforming on that with right, those guys. Right, right, but, right. Uh, um, and then you got the magazines. you got the Caddy or Caddy and then um, the yeah, Golfer's Caddy Journal. Mag. Golfer's Journal, yeah. And then uh, McKellar. And, um, you know, maybe there's some other guys out there. But right. It's strong. I mean, to, to have long-form articles uh-huh. on, you know, some very differing topics. I mean, Cause, it's pretty cool. This is your jam because you've basically, in a large way, devoted your life to golf. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty right? much, yeah. Yeah. I really, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, comes from my grandfather and my dad. They've, I mean, I grew up on a golf course. Uh, my dad had me propped up with a golf club when I was a kid. Right. And uh, I just kind of got away from it and then moved up to Wisconsin with my grandparents and and um, got a job on an old golf course up there and seven years of that. And uh, I go back to, um, I had a girlfriend at the time and she was a division one basketball player and I had to meet her dad and he's like, where do you go to school? I was like, I'm not going to school right now. <laughs> and he gave me that look and I was just like, but I'm going to go soon. And I ended up going to school and went to Fort Collins, Colorado State, okay. and I uh, got a turf degree and worked up in the mountains um, in near Aspen, Carbondale, where they just had that fire. But, um, yeah, and then um, my brother interned at Spyglass in 2000. And, uh, Are I, you a fan of Spyglass? It's a, I'm not a fan of um, – it's just too big. Oh. Too – it's – it's up front, up in your face, a little too. You Interesting. Have to, you just have to. It's, it's one of those hard courses. I don't like hard courses. Huh. Um, narrow, long, you know, too many trees. 
for right. me. I like the front nine. I mean, the the first five holes. Right. Um, but uh, you know, Spyglass. It's I've I've played it a couple of times. It's been a been a while. But uh, I love. I know you know a shitload about architecture because mm-hmm. to be able to be like, I like the first five. Like I mean, I I don't know. I'm not I'm not that good to know about that kind of stuff. But but I know that. I don't know. I think it's also to, you're fine. Sean's like moving stuff around. <laughs> you got to move some furniture. Yeah. Um, I I think uh, I love. Let's talk about some of your favorite golf courses. Okay. Um, one of my favorites, and um, I've had Mike DeVries, golf course architect. Um, I was going back back home to Wisconsin, and he's like, "You need to play Lasonia." He couldn't believe I hadn't played Lasonia. And um, this is going to be a tough one because no one's going to know about it. Oh, they're knowing about. I mean, well, it's, San, getting, it's getting known. With Sand Valley being forty-five minutes away now, right? If you don't stop at Lasonia, I've already I've gotten into a couple people that have well yourself, but you have a very busy schedule. Um, I wanted to go so yeah. bad, and um, but yeah, um, it's it's amazing. I, I played. I, I was very lucky on this trip. I played thirty-six holes at Chicago, eighteen at Shore Acres, and then Lasonia. <laughs> And I, I mean, I love Chicago. It's like, it's incredible. And right. I wish I could have been there for this recent event they had there with the USGA, but I could not make it. Um, Shore Acres has changed a lot with uh, Brian Palmer. The work he's done out there is just incredible. But uh, Lasonia just took my breath away. And uh, the boldness, it, it was like Rainer, but bold. So Rainer is known for, um, I guess, very simple and geometric layouts. Not very long, square greens. Am I am I misinterpreting his work? Um, that's probably more of the um, run of the mill answer. <laughs> um, Take it from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have. I mean, to be honest, I haven't studied much Rainer, but I'm fascinated with it in the sense of, you know, it's, you know, right now everybody's kind of talking about templates and. I don't get into the template aspect Templates of it. Templates are basically uh, a group of holes. Uh, is 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 a hole that's based on another hole? Correct. And it, you know they they tend to use the same principles, like the redan. You know the green falls away. Yeah. Short um, par four. Yeah. yeah. Long par. Four, I mean whatever. And um, I, I I'm more of the McKenzie. I, I fall into the McKenzie line where I want to make the golf course natural. Right. And in harmony and. And what have you. That's everything that we're trying to do out here. Excuse me. And, um, you know, Rainer, I mean, some of the work he did, uh, Lido is like right up there. In New uh, York. In New York. Yeah. Long lost, unfortunately. But, uh, I mean, he mu- he moves. Long lost. What do you mean? He died or the course is well, gone? Well, he's dead too. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the course, um, during uh, World War II, they had, they put the, the Army or the Navy, probably the Navy, uh-huh. moved in and. What's kind of crazy is the superintendent, um, hats off to him, If he did a good job. He took a bunch of pictures of the golf course right before they came in, huh. except for he didn't tell anybody where he left the pictures. No. <laughs> so, I mean, I talked to Jim Urbina about Lido quite a bit and uh, another architect. And uh, Tell me about Jim because yeah. I'm going to meet him on Thursday. Jim's uh, – I've known Jim for quite a while. Um, he – He's he's fun to talk to about architecture. You, you kind of got to prod him a little bit to get some answers out of him. But um, 
it's he's got the knowledge and he's he's taking the time to learn and I mean he has to he's an architect and he's he does a great job and uh I mean he's done great work at Claremont in the area okay. and uh that's one of my favorite courses in the Bay Area so really yeah I've got just three just three yeah Claremont Claremont Meadow and San Francisco really yeah they've they all have that there's a charm to them when you get to that property I mean, you kind of have to fight through it a little bit. Obviously, um, the entrance to San Francisco and Claremont's a little harsh um, with the freeway for San Francisco and then kind of going by the churches and figuring out how to get in. <laughs> and then Claremont. Wow, uh, so you even, you look at the entire experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, well, so in 28, San Francisco Golf Club was buying up property around the golf course trying to protect their golf course. Um, I've got, I found this the documentation of all this and uh, through my research. And uh, unfortunately, they sold stuff off. And you'll see that when you play the first hole. You'll see some buildings down the right-hand side. But it's more importantly, it's the entrance. It's it's not the entrance that you would want to have. Cypress has a pretty help. good entrance. It's it's perfect. Augusta, now that you mention it, has a pretty bad entrance. Yeah. That road, Washington Road. That road sucks. Give them a couple years. I'm sure they've got some plan for it. Yeah, they're buying everything. They just <laughs> bought the Publix or something. Yeah. They're going to make one big Magnolia Lane off of I-20. Yeah. That would be sick. Yeah. It'll be like Disneyland. So, I mean, like my favorite courses are Lasonia, Palmetto, and, oh. and Aiken. And it's just so understated. And you get out there. I mean. Is that old? It's I don't, old. I've never it's played. one of the founding clubs of the USGA. Oh, wow. The Stanford White Clubhouse. Um, H.C. Uh, Leeds, who did uh, Myopia, which is a course I cannot wait to go see. Um, he did the course, and then McKenzie did some work while he was at um, Augusta, and then Ross. See, and now, then, you must go to a golf course, and literally you're just like uh, a beautiful mind. Like, you can't even talk. I it, can... I can talk. It's usually what the hell did they do here? <laughs> it must be it must be hard for you. Like like what's the worst thing for you? So you spent your life learning about the history of golf, learning about these artistic and and visionary architects whose work has more or less on the whole been bastardized by um, you know, wealthy people who don't know a lot and superintendents who basically have to bend Correct. <laughs> so there's some you, of that. Yeah. You must travel around and just be like, "Fuck, they fucked it up. They messed it up. Oh no, this is all wrong." Yeah, it's. I mean, we talked about this a little bit with trends. I mean, right now the trend is to have courses restored, trees removed, and it's the opposite of what the trend was 20 years ago to plant trees and to narrow the fairways down. And and I mean, we're definitely seeing a a positive trend and a trend that we need to hang on to and make sure people understand that this is what golf needs. It needs to have the return of a wide fairway. Um, back in the thirties, you know, fairways were 40 to 60 yards wide, which seems would seem insane to some people that like the parkland courses with narrow fairways and the challenge of all that. But, um, you know, back in the day, it wasn't so much off the tee. It was more that second shot. Well, and what's funny is that, Back in the day, people couldn't hit it as far, but they could probably hit it straighter. Um, it was well. We saw Ben hitting the the hickories today. They weren't going very straight. No, Ben's <laughs> not the straightest of golf club hitters, <laughs> but, but none of us are. No, 
Um, even even the best players. Yeah. Which is, I mean, you know, it's really interesting if you look at like uh, the open, right? Those are massive fairways. It's mm-hmm. not like people are all of a sudden shooting forties. No. <laughs> you know, like I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you look at Shinnecock. I mean, I studied Shinnecock quite a bit, and um, you know, the fairways averaged about twenty six yards at the last open, and so the number was right around forty one. And there was a couple holes where um, for this open, yeah, they made them fifteen yards wider. Yeah. Oh wow. And uh, but they also narrowed them down, which I kind of I don't understand. Well, they they Corin Crenshaw went in a couple of years ago and widened the fairways out. Do you like their work? I do. Okay. <laughs> I mean, those guys are. I mean, there's a handful of guys right now that are doing some really great work, and they're definitely out in the front. Okay. Um, and it was great work, wide fairways, and then with the tournament coming, and you know, just trying to identify um, angles that they want people to come in from or and whatnot. Um, you know, things were narrowed down, which, again, always to me, you know, if you have to do something to the negative, in my opinion, being narrow is negative. It is. And um, it just sends the wrong message to clubs that if we want to have a tough championship course or whatever, we need to have narrow fairways. Right. Which means we need to have rough and more of it. And then, yeah, then we need to have intermediate cuts. I mean, there was a, a tournament... Um, couple of years ago where they had seven different heights of cut what so it's like an to, escalator yeah they had just had and, and that's seven different pieces of machinery to mow that yeah and i get it it's just one week out of the year but it's it's not one week out of the year because they got to do it for months at a time before seven. so the, even then, the apron had an apron and then there was a, yeah. a second cut for the apron and then yeah and everything we're trying to i mean we need to as golf as a whole i mean superintendents are doing it because we have to manage our budgets and you know golf isn't getting any cheaper water is getting more expensive you know down the down the road we're going to have to monitor our nutritional um the nutrition that we put out nitrogen and what have you um we're gonna have to we're, we're already doing that i mean i spray almost all my nutrition on the golf course all my fertilizer is sprayed out right so i can put out exactly how much i want um, because of the location we're at, we we pride ourselves in our environmental <laughs> concerns here. Because um, you're in a watershed, we're aren't definitely you? Um, we're surrounded on three sides by a watershed. We're in the base of the shadow of Mount Tam, mm-hmm. and you know the water supply for Marin County is just over the hill. You know, if I could just paint a picture of everybody right here, it looks like you and I are sitting in a fucking wine commercial. <laughs> you know what I mean, like we're on like we're on some type of like beautiful lawn. There's a pool, and there's just these beautiful nor- Northern Californian peaks. None of them, I think they all have names. You would know them, but I don't. Yeah. And they just are rolling all around us, and the sun is setting. So there you go. Uh, Sean and I, Are you? do you drink wine? Um, if we had some. I feel like you, <laughs> I feel like the way you talk about golf courses, you could bring a lot of that into your wine game. Yeah, wine, I've been drinking cider. Okay. When I, I was in England uh, in January for uh, um, a turf conference for the UK. I, see, I bet, I'll bet a lot of people would think that that would sound really boring, but I'll bet it was actually really fun. Uh, it was in, it was intense. A turf conference. It's it's intense. Um, the, I went with a group of guys from TurfNet. Um, uh, most of the guys in the group were superintendents that had worked at Marion. Oh wow! I was I was one of the outliers. And, uh, but you were an outlier at the first McKenzie course in the world <laughs> in America. But no, I mean, these guys 
all knew each other quite well where right. I knew a couple of them but I mean once they got me going with architecture they just kind of sat back and was like wow this guy knows his stuff but um it was just a great group of guys and and um we learned a lot from each other I mean that's the one thing that makes golf amazing um you know there's guys out there that are willing to share like hey this is what I do this is how we we do our bunkers or this is how we've been spraying out our our um, weeds in our native areas and I mean we all stand to learn from each other and um it makes it makes us all better as a whole. Right. And, uh, but that whole trip, I mean, I, it's crazy as social media guys. Right. You know, I, I go over there. I've got, you know, I've got six Twitter accounts. And, uh, <laughs> wait, why do you have six Twitter accounts? You got to just break them up. Okay. Because I've got like my political one, I've got my metal club one, I've got a, a right. our superintendent association. So I have to be really careful when I'm on the oh, other yeah. ones. Oh, yeah. You don't want to post like some crazy political rant on no. your turf on your Meadow Club account, correct? <laughs> but I then I have like a bunker one and I have a tree management one. Wait, one just dedicated to bunker management? Yeah, or just bunkers? I, I'll retweet if there's a cool picture of a bunker. I'll switch over to that account and, okay. and hit it out. I'm just trying to be like, um, that's good. A conveyor of information, right? You know, a conveyor of information. Yeah, because not everybody follows the right people right and you know there's some really good follows out there that i'm still learning about and there's guys that are still getting on twitter um and you know years ago i was like oh, i'm not getting on twitter that's right i didn't get it but the amount of information i mean i i send out information on my metal club account it goes on our club website and all i mean the members that don't know how to use twitter can see it on the website easy so it kind of it all kind of balances out yeah maybe it's i should follow wilshire on twitter yeah I don't really use Twitter though. I don't know how. I don't. I don't fuck with Twitter. I I use Instagram, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I remember actually. Now, you sent me an email with a ton of info about Wilshire. I did. <laughs> I showed that to a bunch of friends of mine at the club, and they're all like, "Whoa!" Yeah, that's um, Norman Norman Macbeth. Yeah, R crazy. I mean, he was a member at uh, Royal Lytham St. Anne's, and then he went to Calcutta. And then he was a member at Oakmont. And what he learned at Oakmont, he brought to Wilshire. Because if you look at the early pictures, I mean, there was other courses doing the furrow raking of the bunkers. Right. But, I mean, if you looked at the, the style of bunkers he he built, they were they were definitely Oakmont. Furrow -esque. raking of the bunkers? So, yeah, there was, at Oakmont, they they have, like, Vs like this. And they were, they were pretty thick, and the balls would rest in there. Oh, the, the rakes are different at Oakmont. Yeah, the, well, they don't. They only do it on one hole today. Oh, um, just because it's pretty. It's pretty harsh. <laughs> it, it's like the, it's not like the golf course is, isn't hard enough. Right. Um, but uh, the whole story is always, you know, there's certain courses that have a history. You know, Beth uh, Beth Page Black has got the history of being a really tough golf course. You know, Oakmont, and you know. You know, Cal Club in our area is known for being long and really, really tough course. But I don't, I don't normally play from the back tees. I did with you guys today, and um, but uh, I usually move up. I mean, if I played Cal Club, I'd be up almost near the ladies' tee. Right. I don't, I don't need to. But you hit the ball pretty far. I can. <laughs> yeah, we had we had a couple we yeah. had a couple drives that there came some close. Some good ones. Yeah. Um, but I just don't, I don't like to get, I don't, I don't want to beat myself over the head no. to enjoy the game.
Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. Yeah, why do you play golf? Why do I? Yeah. To be outside um, and just... You know, one, it, I mean, it kind of connects me with, you know, just playing the game. You know, as we, you know, I, I talked about my sand wedge that was my dad's. And right. you know, I hit a good shot, and I'm just like, it probably wasn't me. It was, you know, it, it's the tool sometimes more than the the um, the user. But uh, it just keeps me close. And, and uh, just knowing the history and, you know, the history of a place is really important to me. So... I, I don't know where, I mean, I would have to work at a pretty special place. You wouldn't just go work anywhere? Yeah. You um, would You would go crazy? I would. And I, I have this reoccurring dream. <laughs> it, actually, it would be a nightmare. Um, <laughs> where I wake up and I'm at a different golf course and I'm trying to rebuild the bunkers there because they're just terrible. <laughs> I won't say the name of the course. Um, and... Uh, I get to the sixth hole and I, I could never get past the sixth hole in my dream, right? Or nightmare. I keep saying a dream, but uh, that's scary. I mean, is to, the sixth hole particularly memorable? No, that the course. The course would be great. It's a it's a it's a pretty special course, but the bunkering. Um, <laughs> I can't the, wait to ask you when we shut this thing down. <laughs> it, it's got the 1980 <laughs> treatment, right? Um, and it's. I mean, I'll. I mean, it, it's Sonoma. I don't know if you played. Sonoma. I don't know Sonoma. It's a Sam Whiting um, course. He did. Never even heard of Sam Whiting. He did Olympic Club. I've heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the bunkering was redone in uh, after '36. I don't really care. But right. The bunkers were done '70s, '80s, '90s, whatever. Right. And they just when you want to have a bunker be up front and kind of telling you something or being a distraction to your game i mean that's you know you, th- you don't want to think i can barely see this bunker it doesn't really impact how i'm thinking about how i'm playing the hole you don't want to be in a bunker so you, you have a negative connotation for the bunker so you find the bunkers are underutilized as a mental uh defense yeah they just, they're supposed to fuck with you yeah <laughs> and in in you know not every i mean there's you know in the 70s and 80s i mean so even going back further, post-war, um, everything became mechanical. So a lot of maintenance efforts were made and changed from handwork to, like, a mechanical edger to get a perfectly round bunker edge. Right. Because it saved time. But what it did, it compromised really good architecture um, at some of the greatest golf courses around. And we got this, like, just linear design that doesn't take into effect nature it's funny because uh for the first time in the media center of augusta i saw photos of the holes back in the day Mm -hmm. and they look completely different oh it's a it's amazing they look wild and untamed uh 12 the par three i mean it looks like a swamp yeah and it's beautiful though and it was very mysterious. And all of the holes just looked way more like we were out in the woods. 
Whereas now Augusta looks like um, refined. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean you, it's almost, you could eat sushi off of some of that stuff. Correct. And you know, golf doesn't. I mean, that's great there. Yeah. I mean, and and it's great. I mean, I I, I go there and it is really interesting. Yeah. But and, it's not what it was. So correct. if you wanted it, so where do you where do you separate from being a historian to being a person who lives in the present moment, and you have to decide whether or not you're going to you know, appreciate something or not. Cause I mean, they basically, if you, if you were a McKenzie lineage holder or if you were a McKenzie, whatever mm-hmm. torch, torch holder, torch you'd be there. like, you guys fucked this shit up. It happens. I mean, there's, I mean, Andy's Andy doesn't like Augusta. Yeah. I, I was like, come to Augusta with me. He's like, I don't know if I can. Yeah. He's like, they fucked this shit up. You know, they, yeah. they're, they're not, he's the fried egg dot. Uh, the fried egg is a, you know, He's a great guy. Yeah, I've I've did a podcast with him as well, and um, I should have listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, we we got we got a, we get along great. I mean, I've talked. I mean, I was out playing um, Stanford, and he was on the phone with Jay Blasi, and and Jay had to hit a shot, and he gave him he gave me the phone, and everybody in the group was like, "Don't give Tully the phone. This is we're, we're, he's never going to get back to the golf." <laughs> And uh, man, we just, you know, we we kind of hit it off with the conversation all, always. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I mean, it, it happens all too often that, I mean, we have a history here in at Meadow Club, and and it's great. We have a lot of members that are buying into it, but it's still hard, even though Mackenzie's like the great one of the greatest architects. He has some of the greatest golf courses. Um, it can still be hard to get people to understand architecture and it's not here it's it it's everywhere i mean right. and it can people don't understand architecture and buildings how True. important some of them are and, i don't you know they've gotten torn down some of the greatest buildings and not greatest i mean there's but we've lost some really good buildings um in hindsight that probably shouldn't have been been lost and uh we you know back in the day they can they complained about um not being recognized as professionals and i think of course architects did yeah oh yeah i mean it's i mean they were like we get no respect (laughs) (laughs) is that what they said yeah i mean even today i mean it's they deserve more respect there's a lot of work that goes that's involved to design a good golf course that's playable and i mean just i mean there's been some courses that have opened recently in the last 10 years where they have had to go back and rebuild holes and yeah i mean that happened shoot that i mean pebble beach had a whole bunch of changes done to it. San Francisco had a whole bunch of changes to it. So it's always been the case. It's, it's, you can't, you know, a golf course isn't going to be fresh out the box. Right. And be perfect. There's, you know, I mean, obviously there's been so much change in golf and technology, not just for golfers and the clubs, but for me with the equipment and the technology. I mean, we talked today about drones. We fly drones, a drone over the golf course. And um, it takes imagery that we can identify um, areas that we need to hand water and, and fertilize. Oh, wow. And we can also... Um, you use it technically. Totally. It's amazing. That's so interesting. And, um, you know, we're doing that. We also have... Um, that's Greensight Ag. And then we use another company called Fairway IQ, which we can put all these tags on all of the equipment. And we can track the equipment moving around the golf course. So... And then in real time, so we can see it. I mean, we can, you know, how long is it going to take to, to um, circle cut the fairways? And, you know, number two takes 41 minutes. So um, 
Whoa. We, can, we can sit there and go, okay, why is it taking, um, I'm trying to come up with a fake name um, in case my crew listens to it. Um, <laughs> Howard. Howard, thank you, yeah. <laughs> Howard Howard, Schultz. Why did Howard Schultz take 72 minutes to mow the second? Because he was beginning to start a coffee company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, there's there's a lot of technology. I mean, just like five years ago, there was no cloud-based companies for turf. And now right. it's like, I mean, we have a lot of things that we're doing online. I mean, we can be around on the golf course and see something, and we can sit there and change the schedule and have it pop up on the screen. So when the guys get to the shop before us, um, they can see it. Right, because how many uh, greenkeepers do you have? Um, our whole staff is 27. So that must be hella complicated just to tell them what to do. It can be. Because yeah. they can't necessarily, it's not their job description, it's not within their, I don't know, I'm sure some of them could, but they're not going to see something, for example, some yellow grass or whatever, and mm-hmm. then be like, oh, I should do this to it or whatever, right? Well, I mean, just through the day, I mean, our we identify different things that, you know, we're scouting the golf course, my assistant, Kevin Hauschel, um, and myself, will be out on the golf course, or we'll have one of our crew member come up and say, hey... You know, I noticed there's liner coming out on number 12 bunker or even liner? Member, the bunker liner that's oh, underneath. Oh, I see. Right. It's like the little the, canvas. It separates the soil and the sand and keeps the sand in place when it, with heavy rain. Right. And uh, you don't want it coming to the surface. So we'll go in and, and try to get that done before um, too many members get through there. But it's like. As soon, and we have radios. I mean, that's the easy technology, Wait, but so not everybody's ways, on radio. Each day, it's like you're just doing fireworks. Oh yeah, like for a crew, uh, for a for a viewing public of a hundred people. Mm-hmm. And so each day, you're just like something different's going to come up. I didn't even realize this. It's crazy. Um, I mean, there's good days and there's bad. I mean, there's a day where you'll have an irrigation leak, and uh. you got to run out and get that cl- uh, turned off, and then. You gotta fix it before it floods the fairway or Correct. something. Correct. And then if it's a hot day, you gotta get it fixed so that you can irrigate that night. Uh-huh. And if you can't, then you have to come up with solutions to Back get water. Up. Yeah. How, how what's the longest hose you got? <laughs> well, a fucking long hose, I bet. Well, they're all I mean, we got one inch hose at a hundred. So we okay. got four of those. So yeah, four hundred, but you start to lose pressure. Feet. Right. But um but yeah, we have I mean the the irrigation system is I mean, even though our irrigation system dates back to 85, um, we've we've constantly updated it. And we're, right. we're trying to make it last 50 years, which is not – it's out there. Um, it's a lot of golf courses, um, maybe 30 years or even less. Right. Um, just trying to extend the life of everything. Right. Just to keep the cost down so we can get other things that we need. So as a as a as a man who spends a lot of his time looking at the historical aspects of golf, what do you think is one of the most important lessons that uh, golf teaches us as either stewards of the game, players of the game, uh, whatever it is that that hasn't changed? Um, it should be etiquette. I like that. It should be. Um, Let me just get my shirt tucked in. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, I don't worry about that so much, but it's the etiquette of knowing the impact a golfer has on a golf course. Oh, oh, um, you're talking about etiquette to the golfer to the earth. Yeah, from to my perspective, ah. to what I'm trying to maintain. And I mean, the USGA does a really good job of educating golfers, and it's almost like 
okay, it's July. I mean, July 9th, let's hit the button on um, on talking about ball marks. Okay. So they just sent that out. And it was it had just become an issue here at Metal Club. And really? It happens everywhere. I mean, every... It's. I mean, I've I've just I've been playing a lot of golf lately, and it's like, wow, there's there's a lot of ball marks. People don't fucking fix them. They don't, and it's and the the problem is, is when you go, you know, it, it comes up in a conversation. The first comment is, man, you know, I fixed mine, and I I saw some other ones, and I fixed those too, and it's just like, well, then we we'd be okay. But yeah, there's ball marks, and uh, I usually fix a couple. I actually yeah. get a lot of pleasure out of fixing a ball yeah. mark. I was I wanted to ask you today, but I didn't while we were out there. Uh, when I'm lazy, I'll fix a ball mark with the top of my putter. Mm-hmm. I'll just like whack it in there, and I feel like I can do a pretty good job. But if I'm being totally honest with myself, it's better when I use the T. Mm-hmm. Is there something I don't know about the difference? Um, the fact that you're fixing it is going to be better than not fixing it. But it's oh, better. It's the the sooner you fix it, the better off that turf is to repair and right. to be healthy. Because if you if it's left unrepaired. It can turn it. I mean, it can die. And but so then, you don't or, care, or putter head or P or pitch tool. You don't care. Um, just get it. Just get it pretty dang good. Probably not a putter head. I just whack the putter. I in was there. watching you. You, yeah, did, you, you did actually did a pretty good job. I did a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I, I didn't said, look at you, but I felt like you were watching me, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is his golf course." And then from then on, I used the tool, the T. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I I don't know. Like I'm big on etiquette as well. Mm-hmm. I would never want to go into your house and wear mm-hmm. my shoes off if you weren't wearing shoes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it's, I mean, it's, it's, there's a society aspect to it. Cause you know, there's some things that just aren't, you know, the, the everybody's saying the millennial stuff, but it's like things just aren't happening like they normally should. Right. And cart use is one of them. I mean, I detest, I mean, I, we walked. Yeah. We had a great time. It's walking. a big walk too though. Yeah. And it's just, um, I I would like to make a video of people playing other sports with a golf cart, like <laughs> croquet. I mean, it's just it just seems right. going for a hike with a golf cart. Yeah, I mean, it's just I mean, you're out. I mean, golf is such an amazing activity, and here you are. I mean, there's certain golf courses that need it, and maybe they shouldn't have been built. But uh, hey oh, <laughs> that was a big statement. Yeah, um, I mean, they in a way hurt the golf economy. More than something else. I mean, it's yeah. it's a it's a it's a fairly large expense, and then there's <laughs> a, the maintenance of a golf cart or not. A, I mean, of a golf cart path. Right. And then where do I drive the cart? I mean, and then when you have we we have our members understand how to use a cart, but then we have an outside event, and we've taken the rope out because we don't. This is such a special place. I don't know. We didn't have a lot of rope on the golf course um, or signage. Yeah, I mean, there's I no like signs. Two, I, I mean, we keep it really try to keep it real the and, no uh, signs thing i both like and dislike mm-hmm. if i'm out there on a company i'm like where the fuck am i going yeah there was there's a one or two signs yeah the one the one that was like 16 and seven or something yeah that that's left over from a tournament but uh <laughs> but yeah it's um and that's you know we we i mean ball washers on tees you know you don't like them i don't like them i mean it there's an expense to them. They're very expensive. Yeah, they also smell gross. They can get pretty gross. What the hell goes inside those things? It's it's just uh, dirty water. They smell. <laughs> they <laughs> smell so bad. And you know our problem is we'll go out and clean them in the morning. You know check them and you know what happens is we we do a lot with. I the, never have used one. And yeah, 
I don't use them either. Um, I mean, you get off the green. I mean, you get up to the green, you hit the green, you got a ball, your ball's dirty, you're going to clean your ball off before you play. It's it's a very simple solution. Yeah. But um, And also, how dirty is the ball going to get and how good are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But we have the... We do a lot here with the environment, so we have a lot of bird boxes, and we have a lot of uh, bluebirds. Oh. And what they do is they use the ball washers as a perch. So my we have a guy. So they get shit all over them. They get shit all over them. So in the morning, we have a guy that does tea service. He changes and fixes the, the tea markers and fixes the divots and checks the towel and checks the ball washer and wipes the poop off. And right. then 10 o'clock comes around. You know, oh, God. There's a lot of bird poop over on six and it's like the guys aren't cleaning the poop off and it's like do you know how much a bluebird poops in a day yeah it's, and it's do you know incredible. he's busy actually making a golf course yeah dude i would love to see like what you could do with unbridled freedom i would love to just see that do you have drawings of golf courses that you've imagined um not really i can't draw for a lick okay but um i i mean on my google earth on my computer i've got all the golf courses i've got a whole Jeez. do you hear that <laughs> huge bug <laughs> one of those deer flies has buzzed us yeah um um i study golf courses on google earth so i've got a whole list of courses that i look at um shinnecock's been one that i've studied quite a bit right and what i was doing was just looking at 2004 where the tees were for the for the open or for the u.s open then and then where they are now right and just just trying to figure out, you know, you can see all the trees they removed, and then you can see the what I did on on Twitter. I I put out a bunch of pictures hole by hole, showing each hole from 2004 to 2016, 17. Okay. So that you know everybody can see the changes that were made. Interesting. It was, it was pretty interesting. Um, unfortunately, the aerials. I wanted to get back to um, 80, was it 85? Um, You're getting hit up by some bugs right now yeah. too. Um, Sorry. And just study that, and you know I, I've done the same thing for Lasonia, looking at how wide the fairways are. Right. And er, I mean everything I'm about is you know widen the. I mean, you know we everybody talk in the last five years. It's always been about how golf has lost its way and it's too hard. People don't want to play. Well, a lot of it times out. It, it times out. It it's coincides mm. with the research I've done. You know, you look at the U.S. Open. From 1937 to 1997, 60 years, the golf courses were not, they were at 7,200 yards or less. Right. And then um, Congressional was 7,300. And then 10 years later, Oakmont was um, 73 or 74 or something. That's not right. Don't have the information in front of me. But don't, don't tweet at Sean and try to fuck with him. He's trying to do it. He's got no computer. <laughs> and, but if you look, I mean, it's I mean, it's steady for so many years, and then all of a sudden, from from like ninety nine, ninety seven, it just escalates. And you know, this year it was seventy four fifty or something. Right. And um, that's nuts. What was you know, what the hell was um, Aaron Hills was something crazy. I mean, it could have they could stretch it out to seventy eight hundred or seventy seven or something. And but the problem is, is that all along that line, I mean, you got you got Olympic Club, you got. Uh, Pebble, which I know more about just because they're right here. But, you know, Olympic Club has um, 18 acres of fairway. So th those are not very big fairways. Our f we have 40, just 40 acres of fairway here at Meadow Club. Wow. So we have 
twice as much fairway here at Meadow. And you're way shorter. And we're way shorter, and we're still just as, I mean, we're not any easier of a golf course to play. What, no, what's the yardage here? In my opinion. We're just under 67. I love it. Yeah, and yeah, we played the tips. There were some par fives where it wasn't happening. There were some yeah. par fives where it, where it could have. But, I mean, for the amateur golfer, like, well, one of the par fives I hit. Yeah, no, we roasted a drive on one of the par fives, and we still had 270 in. Yeah, 13. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, in closing, what do you think? So you say, well, so wait, we got, I, I'm going to come up with a really good question to end on. Um, if someone's new to golf and they're listening to this, what would you tell them to look at next time they go out there? Or, or, or what would you tell them to, if, if they were getting interested in architecture, what would you say is, is a good place to start with maybe at, at night when they just want to obsess about golf? You know, what, what would you say? I mean, just look at your own. You're like, follow me at. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's relevant. What, yeah. What's your favorite Twitter account of yourself? Uh, for, you got six apparently. Well, just um, the Toll Fescue one is the one I kind of T U L L Fescue F E S C U E. That's mostly just the golf horse architecture. Okay. And just little other things, but. Um, and then back to the other question. Yeah, the other question. Um, you know, just looking at your own golf course, and and seeing, you know, how close are the trees to the to the green? You know, is there a tree management policy at your golf course? I mean, what are what are um, what are the? Um, I mean, for me, it's all about width, not only in the fairway but in the approach. Right. And um, in Northern California, there's some great golf courses, but they're all short. So what has happened is the tendency is to defend a par at each golf course by narrowing the fairways, planting trees, and then narrowing the approach. And in some cases, they get a little soft, and then. The greens are poa, but then they have rough all around them. And you have to drop the ball on the green for it to stay or run it up, but then there's no place to run the ball up on. Right. So they're trying to defend par, and they're just, it's making golf, it's, golf just isn't fun in all those, for all the reasons that they're trying to make it challenging and hard. They're like suffocating the golfer and the golf course. Exactly. And, and ironically, they're probably not making it much harder. I mean, they might be making it harder, but they're also making it less enjoyable. Plus, it's, that's the that's the part that I think we're we've gotten too good at, and this kind of this push towards you know the, we've done this restoration from 2000 to 2005, and we're still doing changes. We you saw the bunkers on 12 where we had tree removal, and um, it's just opening up the golf course to all these options to play out to one side of the fairway, or the other to play into a better hole location. Right. And um, to as Mackenzie wanted it, yes. And you know the golf course here is, you know, is patterned after St Andrews to hit, you know, to use shared fairways. We definitely have more players than they did in 27, but at the same time, um, the the golf course would be stronger with more options, right? And the variability of, I mean, everybody can play up the fairway. They can play out away from the bunkers, but then they have to carry something in return for giving up a, a, a harder shot on the first one. Right. So there's, you know, there's some give and take there for sure. But, um, you know, not golf courses are definitely not created equal. Right. Um, you know, they all 
have a yardage and a par and you know all that fun stuff but um you know for too long golf courses were made too hard and you know we we need to get back to i mean you know everybody wants to talk about the tiger explosion and how many people play golf because of tiger woods um the amount of people that play golf in the 1920s is astounding it's really i mean the amount of they couldn't build golf courses in san francisco fast enough really yeah i mean he had lincoln park um harding park um was gonna they were McKinsey was called in. They were actually going to make that a 36-hole facility. Whoa. Which is crazy. One of the first, probably. Well, I mean, well, Olympic Club. Right. But that was, yeah. And Old then, course, new course. Yeah. And then um, then there was um, the old San Francisco Golf Club, the old Cal Club that was still there. What do you mean the old one? Not the, the, in a pre-Tillinghouse design? Yeah. So the, the current site is the third site. Oh, so the wow. first one was the Presidio. Right, so if you go into the city, I played Presidio Golf Course. That's yeah. that was used to be San Francisco Golf Club. Yes, amazing. The old clubhouse. Did you go into the old clubhouse or the modern one? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, you. The old one's pretty old, but uh, yeah. the old one looks right out over the golf course. So when you played um, eighteen, ten, and nine, right, that was the nine-hole golf course. That's exactly the footprint of the original nine-hole course. Oh wow! And um, during the early 1900s, they were training the cavalry there for um, for some of the stuff in Cuba. Okay. So they were running over the golf course, and they were like, "We need to find another golf course." And at one point, yeah, they were good lo- call. They were, yeah, because one- that was uh, that was like um, <clears throat> J.P. Morgan, all the all really turn of the century yeah. bankers and stuff. Well, Teddy Teddy Roosevelt. Really? I think he ran over the field. And uh, at one point, they were actually going to, they were looking at some property at uh, Golden Gate Park. No way. Yeah, I've got some reference to that. And then where Stonestown Mall is and UCSF is right where the old golf course was. Okay. And uh, there was 12 holes there, 18, but 12 of them had railroad tracks running over them or in little swales below them. Amazing. So that's why... That's one of the reasons they moved, but the other reason was the um, 1915 Pan Pacific International Exposition. Jesus, um, they had that's three. A, that's a mouthful. It's huh? a mouthful. <laughs> PPIE. Um, it. Um, they had three sites. One of them was at um, Lake Merced, around where Olympic Club is in San Francisco, is okay. even today. Um, and they were like, we're we're gonna have to move if they're going to have the site here. And um, and then the other site was where Lincoln Park is. Right. And then the other site is where it eventually was held at Chrissy Field. Chrissy right, Field. Right on the um, the bay. Right. Where the Palace of uh, Fine Arts is. Right. And um, POFA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, and that course was there, and then, and then they finally moved to the current site. And, I mean, there, it's just. It's quite a site right now. It's amazing. Um, you know, San Francisco, like I said, is one of my favorite courses. And, you know, it's 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 steeped in history, um, confusing history at times and and uh, argumentative for others and and whatever. But uh, I, I love the course. I love the um, the front nine, the changes that were made there and um, pre Tillinghast. But uh, the bunkering is what. I mean, the setting, the scale of everything is so amazing there. When you're out there, it's 
I mean, there's you know, 40 plus acres of fairway. The first fairway is like the, it's only behind St. Andrews is probably the most inviting fairway to hit. It's a wonderful first hole. I mean, it's just because it's, it's a it's like a cove leg. What would you call it? So it sort of just bends around to the right. Well, it's more straight, but it gives you a lot of. You're like you, it's straight. <laughs> it gives you a lot of bailout to the to the left. Am I thinking of the fifth or sixth hole or something? I thought it bends to the right. The bend to the right. One, two, three, four, five. No, no. Five bends a little bit to the right, not uh, much. But um, doesn't the first hole shoot off of the clubhouse to the right? It's straight. Runs a parallel to the property line down the right side. Yeah. And it doesn't move to the right at all. Okay. No, it feels straight to me. All right. Well. But um, you know they 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 put a couple. I guess we're going to have an argument. Now I guess we'll agree <laughs> to disagree. <laughs> no, they put some bunkers in. They got a new bunker. Or they've added a bunker. They extended a bunker out on sixteen, and um, made some changes to the the fourth hole. So for you, Here's I one. guess what is in, you know, golf course architecture is sort of this dance of like. Tee box, fairway, bunker, green. Tee box, fairway, bunker, green. Is there something that's more important? Is there is there some interesting relationship between them? Um, you know, actually, yeah, yeah. But be, okay, answer that. Yeah, go ahead. Landforms. Landforms. I mean, it's. I mean, the, I mean, what really tips McKenzie for me is his use of landforms and how simple his routing is at Metal Club. At Valley Club, at Cypress, um, his use of hills, hmm. little or small, and how he congregates things together, and it it allows. I mean, you got to imagine back when he was building the golf courses, they didn't have golf carts, so they were walk mowing, you know, aprons and greens and wow. tees, and then um, whatever they had on the fairways, if it was horse drawn or what have you, um, they would have to walk. So. You don't want to have a. You wouldn't build a golf course like you would today, where it's hole, 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 and you know you're walking, and you could be a mile away from your shop, real quick. And you got there's all this driving. So again, yeah, I noticed that older courses are much more spider webby. They're very compact, and and you know they had to fit into a space. Yeah. And but what you know, have you played Valley Club? No. So Valley Club is, you know, you get in on Montecito. Yeah, you get yeah, you get on the other side of the road. I've heard Valley Club is like three golf courses. Well, it's it's two because there's you have one side of the road and then the other. Right. And the second side of the road where the um, it's three through twelve. Um, you know, three four three plays into the hill. The the hill plays behind it. Then you climb up the hill, tee off from the hill to four green a par three. Right. And then five shoots down. Five, six, seven, comes back to the backside of the hill. And then you play from that hill to eight, okay. to another hill, and it's just, and then it's crazy. and then you play nine off the hill, and then you play ten back to the hill. <laughs> I mean, it's it's um, it's magic. Yeah, and well, and it was just it was cool because it's like the time forced them to do something creative, whereas now we don't have that because you can just drive a car for miles. Yeah. Or you can just take a dozer and just blitz something and and add twenty foot of fill or take twenty feet out to make something work. Right. And you know, metal club. I mean, the second green, it's just it fits right into the land. But then as it falls off, it falls off on a couple different sides, and you don't really feel that until you're you're right there. No. I really enjoyed playing there today. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I kind of I guess I had to burp and I kind of kept <laughs> it in. <laughs> Jesus. 
I was going to um, blame it on a fly, but you Yeah, you no, it. that was my stomach. I mean, yep. I don't have any control over my stomach. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's like, why should I even say excuse me if I fart? It's <laughs> like, I'm not like choosing to do it. Yeah. You know? Hopefully. I guess I am. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I wanted to say, you know, the other thing is, I don't think I mentioned it yet, the Iceland thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, yeah. You yeah. kind of, um, you reached out and you said, so you're going to be in Iceland, check out Edwin. Mm-hmm. And so, if you listen to this podcast, and you've probably listened to the one with Edwin, and well, I just want to thank you, you know, and probably on behalf of everyone who's listening, because that was a really great uh, episode. And you know, I just think in such a cool way, like you changed my life, you mm-hmm. know, like because we ended up going up to Siglo, and we ended up, um, you know, staying at this place that Edwin went to. We we played Browterholt. You know, we just mm-hmm. had this really wonderful experience that. Um, that, that you basically made happen for yeah. us. I'm glad. I mean, that's not, it's my pleasure because what, I mean, everything I try to do as a superintendent and also as a historian is to make things more understood or better right. and to position things. And, you know, I, I didn't know either one of you guys. Right. Yeah. Person. We had never met. And I'm just like, these two guys should meet. Right. And it's like, I mean, uh, online, um, we'll get into dating stuff, but, <laughs> but it's just like, a matchmaker. I'm not, you know. Someone made a joke about online dating because I came up here with Stu Bone, my friend Stu. We met on Instagram a year ago. Mm-hmm. He, he mentioned that quite a few times. He today. did. <laughs> and then we're also here with Ben uh, Warren, yep. who is a, what is it? He's, what is his job? He, I thought he's a shaper, but a now shaper. you're telling him. He's a shaper. Yeah. He's a shaper. He lives in Tokyo. I don't even remember. Oh, how did I meet him? Hey, Ben. Oh, he's on the phone. He looks like fucking Josh Hartnett over there. He's got his, he's, he's like, a, he's a good 70 yard shot. He's got his iPhone headphones in, sunglasses. Um, I can't remember how he and I met. Well, because it was awesome because I'm sitting here, I, I follow both of you guys on Instagram. Right. And then you were in Japan. I was like, man, I hope Ben's there. Maybe they, I should talk to him and get those two guys to meet. But then all of a sudden he was in your Instagram feed. <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is awesome. Right. To, you know. One, I don't know you, but I know Ben, and I was just like, it just felt right. We we did hang a lot, yeah. yeah. And Ben actually ended up doing something really nice for me, which is he recommended me for a job, which we cannot talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but I got yeah. the job. That's awesome. So get ready for that, mm-hmm. um, people whom I can't tell little details <laughs> of my life to, but I already told Sean earlier. Yeah. Uh, it's really exciting how you look at all that, you know. I've actually been experiencing something just personally for the past couple of days, mm-hmm. like a, a, a large level of like exhaustion, and I don't know. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, I would just to be able to go to Iceland. I mean, I, the reason I wanted you to meet Edwin was because I wanted to hear what he had to say, and I was right. I was very happy to hear his talk about people. You know, modern golf. All we we're all we're doing is walking more. Right, because we hit the ball a little further, so now we have the tee times are extended out further, and right, that it was takes a really longer interesting to play. Because I have this, I mean, I was just like, hell yeah, I was like, that's exactly how I feel about that. Right. So I was like, but to get you guys to meet and to get you to take pictures of these golf courses, right? Because another friend of mine, of another friend of mine who I only just met in January, Micah Woods, who is the Asian turf grass, um, I don't know his exact title, but he's an amazing guy. He travels all over the world. And he went to Iceland like two years ago. And I was just like, it was just amazing. And I think he met Edwin there as well. And I was no just way. like, I was just like, these golf courses, I love, I mean, I've always been a fan of Sigurros. So, you know, watching some of their videos, you can see Iceland. Right. And then I was like, I didn't even think about golf courses in Iceland. And then I started right. seeing these pictures and I'm just like, 
damn, this you is gotta go. This is ridiculous. Do you follow Jacob Stjoman? Um, I follow a superintendent at a golf course, but I couldn't tell you his name. But J- Jacob's I need Instagram to... is S J O M A N Art dot com. And and he and I have been talking about doing something together just very recently. Mm-hmm. Emailed him last night. Uh, but he's a photographer and he photographs a lot of Icelandic oh, wow. and Nordic golf courses. But yeah, dude, but b- by all means, Iceland is a golf destination. Oh. Yeah, I mean, just the pictures that you showed of Edwin's, Edwin's work there. Yeah. Well, and I have so many more. I haven't even. Yeah. I haven't. I have like all these photos that I haven't posted. Yeah. I, and I should post more. Everyone says post more. I'm like, I don't know. I don't. Not feel. That's what I was getting at. Is like I'm just feeling a bit tired, and I think it's the traveling. But I think it's also like, I just. I don't know what it is. I just. I just want to go home and not do anything mm-hmm. for like a while. Well, <laughs> I mean, the, the way. I mean, I'm kind of we kind of talked about this earlier too how you know my job doesn't allow me to move right or or to really i mean i could take a vacation i only have five weeks of vacation built up that's a lot it is um and when i take a vacation the last two vacations i took which were only a couple <laughs> days i went up to um to uh bandon right and i walked old mcdonald twice i didn't even play you didn't I just, even play I walked it twice just because i had to go i want to study it and see it and feel it I didn't yeah. want to have the clubs get in the way. I feel like that's a work trip, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. And then, and then I took another day off, and I walked uh, Karika Park down in Alameda c- right. to go see that. And it's like, I've got a problem. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I mean, and then I look. I mean, I watch. I've watched your your rise, and and I see you going out and playing all these great golf courses and meeting these people of all different levels and you know different you know different places in golf and it's like wow that's that's cool and you know not everybody needs we don't need to all get our information from you know i don't want to pick on golf digest or golf sure. channel but it's great to have this other medium where people that may not fit into the traditional golf mold of understanding you know the shirt tucked in part and you know where to drive a cart but just to know that you can have fun on a golf course without following all the rules Right, but making sure that you do follow the rules that are important to the superintendent, at least, <laughs> <laughs> or that are important to your own game, whatever yeah. that game may be. Yeah, right. There's so many different ways of playing golf, and I think one of my favorite things is I can tell pretty much on the first tee before anyone even hits a shot what kind of person they are. Yeah, or what kind of golfer they are, depending on how you want to look yeah. at it. And that's the business wrap of it. I mean, I'm sitting there. I've got three daughters i've got one at 16 who's great doing rowing and doing really good in that right my middle daughter i'm like trying to push her towards golf and just trying to get her her to understand the opportunities that arise from that it's just amazing right you know i mean i was i I was at a dinner and i was i was i was talking with um the coach from um uc berkeley not gonna i couldn't remember her name the other day but tanya harding no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> much better and you know i started talking to her and i was like yeah i have three daughters and the first thing she said was how old are they <laughs> so <laughs> you know they're always looking and it's like right. i'm trying I, i'm not going to sit there and push my daughters to something that they don't want to do but no. when i bring them up here i mean they just light up and you know i took her signed her up for golf camp and she margaret just ate it up right and uh she's like papa i need to get up there and play that's exciting. So it's like, yeah, let's do it. So I need to follow through on that and make sure we keep going. But, I mean, golf can open up so much. I mean, you know, 
It's crazy. Right. It's really crazy. Sorry, I just laughed because I envisioned, I remembered meeting the superintendent of uh, Furnace Creek Golf Course. (laughs) (laughs) And I felt so bad for him. He had a fucking job. Have you been out there? I've been out there once. It's It's one of the episodes of this season. I can't wait to see the next episodes. It's it's in Death Valley. There's a golf course at 100 feet below sea level. Average temperature, 120 degrees. (laughs) Salt everywhere. Yeah. And it's actually a pretty healthy-looking golf course. Yeah. We have a lot of new grasses and some old grasses that don't mind it. Anyway. As long as you're willing to play. Other topic. I mean, yeah, it it was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, thank you for joining me. Is there anything else? Do you have a question? Yeah, usually I was waiting for that. Ah. Um, (laughs) He was like, I get a right to call. I get one phone call. (laughs) I'm going to call. I've got... There was two things I wanted to bring up, and I mean, one question I had for you is, how do you, where do you put your photographs? Because if you, I mean, because I, I've got like thirty-six gigabytes right. of just research stuff that I've, I've got in folders, and then I've got my computer's constantly telling me it's full. Right, buy a hard drive. I, I do. I've got yeah. hard drives, but I'm filling those up too. Well, you got to get a four terabyte hard drive. That's what I've got. And and but how is it? How is that full? Because I take a lot of pictures. Oh, you take I'm, a lot of photos. videos. I mean, I've got right. three girls, so I'm always snapping. Well, you pictures just kind of suck them. up and buy hard drives. I have probably a hundred hard drives. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I have. What I do is I have one. I I have three, 12, 16, and twenty four terabyte hard drives, mm-hmm. like big ones, and those are like a thousand bucks. You know what I mean? They're yeah. like not cheap, but it is just the price to play the game. Yeah. But then I started using, and those are like high speed, you know. Um, Thunderbolt yeah. or USB-C. And now I've started using just the four terabyte, um, I can't remember what brand they are, but four terabyte, just little shuttle drives. Mm-hmm. And those I like because you can get them now for like 130 bucks or something. Yeah, I've just got the little passport-y things. Yeah, passport, exactly. Yeah, okay. WD passport. Like the, 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 um, they don't have the spinning drive in it. It's like Yeah, some of them do. Whatever. But they're also nice because they're battery. They, they don't, you don't need a separate power yeah. outlet. Yeah, and I just buy a bunch of those, and then I take a picture, I take a screenshot of the finder window of whatever's in that drive, and then I tape that to the front of it That's so I know what's in there. I just use the old... Um, Sharpie? Well, not those, but the um, the little tape that you oh, like click a, out the... Oh, like a mixtape? No, like the you print out the little tag. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's nice. Whatever That's organized. Whatever those things are. Yeah, so I do that. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got just so much footage. Like, we come back from a trip with usually two terabytes, and we need to copy that three times Mm. on independent drives. Yeah. So question one, done. Okay. Well, the the next one isn't really a question. It's more of a statement Okay. or a a point. I mean, you you mentioned in quite a few podcasts, you mentioned um, um, people asking you how to get into the golf industry. Right. And, you know, as as a superintendent, um, our industry is struggling. With labor, interesting. And um, uh, the fried egg, he just did a really nice um, article about the superintendent Javier Campos at Cal Club, and he came up through the crew. He, I mean, I, I haven't even read the whole article, but he he was working at a department store, and uh, Thomas Bastis, who was a superintendent, got him in there, and then things didn't work out. But it, he came back, and now he's a superintendent at California Golf Club. And um, I mean, that's I mean, please read the article online at the fried egg, but. Uh, to make sure I didn't get any of it right, but uh, <laughs> but I, I love the fact that he did that because we need to get more 
of our story out there, and I appreciate you taking the time to come out and visit and see the golf course, but um, to do this as well. Yeah. Um, there's just not enough people that know how important and how fulfilling this job is. And, um, and the... Um, yeah, a lot of people might want to do media or something, da, yeah. da, da, but like what you're saying is like you know, the agriculture of the golf course itself is rewarding and we're in need of yeah. troops. And, 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 you know, we have the whole HGB thing where we're trying to get foreign workers to come in. Is that a drug? Country. No, okay. <laughs> it sure sounds like HGB. H, H2B. H2B. Oh, that's a visa yeah. where you can go home like once every 90 years or something? Yeah. I don't, it's crazy. We don't worry about it here just yet. But, <laughs> I mean, when I worked at the Broadmoor, I mean, and they still do, they, got, they have guys that come from Jamaica that work there. Right. And, you know, it's only gotten harder and harder to do that. And, um, you know, it's hard to lean on the on the job market. I mean, I mean, right here, I mean, you know, McDonald's is paying $15, $16 an hour. Right. And it's hard to get somebody. I mean, it's Marin County. It's it's a little different than um, Idaho or Iowa or something. Right. Um, Higher cost of living. Yeah. Well, it's it's pretty incredible, as right. you know, in L.A. And uh, But, you know, the opportunity to move up the ranks is pretty ripe. And right. to get into positions where you can host a, a major tournament. I mean, the amount of major tournaments coming to the Bay Area right now, or even to your neighborhood, wherever you, your podcast listeners are. I mean, there's amazing golf courses to work at. I mean, it's even just, you know, just having somebody that's a teacher that's off work during the summer to come in and change cups or, right, you know, and to get to, you get to play free golf. So let me get this straight. You're offering me a job. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would dig it. I mean, it's amazing. I think I would go crazy after like a little bit, but I yeah. think I would dig it for a while. It, it, what's, what's amazing is, I mean, because I, I got to school late. I, I spent, I, I was twenty five or twenty six before I finally got to college. Mm -hmm. And, um, but when I did, it, it was funny because a lot of the guys I went to school with were there because they, they went to school for a different degree. Right. But they went to work at a golf course during the summer, and they're like, "Damn, this is way better than what I want to <laughs> do." And they ended up getting in the business that oh, way. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a, you know, if you, you follow some of these superintendents, um, there's, there's some really good guys out there. I mean, there's a lot of good guys and gals. Right. We, we're not leaving anybody out here. Um, and it's to work in a team effort and to work as a team with a bunch of people. I mean, it's in, in watch and to build people up. Right. To succeed, not only at your facility, but to go to another one. Right. Um, and to mentor people and um, and it's just amazing and to be able to look after i mean it's an honor for me to be able to look after this golf course i mean it's such a special place and to share it with people that um may not have known about it is you know I mean, we don't even try to rate ourselves i mean we don't really ask for raiders to come up to metal club because we don't i mean it's it almost doesn't matter but you're in the top 100 no no, huh. no shit. Nope, no, nope. we're we've been outside for quite a while. And Just because you stopped caring. Well, no, <laughs> no. There's there's no stop caring. I mean, we care a lot, but uh, we don't care. I mean, it's we don't as we see it. You know, the reaction that we get from people that come up here. I mean, is I mean, with Stu today. I mean, I don't know how many times he kept telling me, "Tully, this is amazing." Yeah. That's all I need to hear. I don't need to hear I'm 98 or I'm 158. Because um, you go from 98 to 108, it's a mess. 
because you're out of the top 100 and everybody's like, well, what happened? And you might be talking about three, you know, three tenths of a point. Right. Or three hundredths of a point or right. whatever. And, and it, maybe you didn't do anything. Maybe just someone else did something. Yeah. Somebody else did a restoration and made their course better. Yeah. You know, Bel Air, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, I mean, it's amazing. It's, you know, value your course for what it is and, and what, what the problem that goes on for it makes our job as superintendents really hard is when golf courses get compared from your neighbor to your course right you know we lost turf here why didn't they lose turf and Uh it's like well they don't have a salt issue we have a salt issue or what have you there's so many variables at play it's so interesting that um you can't really compare a course down the road or even more especially down you know down in southern california or what have you right um, different grass types and different pressures from the club to what you know what they want. So, you know, right, let's go get some dinner. Our, <laughs> I'm starving. I'm so hungry. Yeah, I'm just catching my wind, but uh, my second wind. Or yeah, third. you're getting pumped. I saw that. I don't yeah. know how long we've been recording. Yeah, I can't I see no the idea. number on my thing here. I think it says four hours and 19 minutes. <laughs> no, it says I can't read the number. But yeah. anyway, no, I'm sure that. Hopefully you're in the car and you've gotten to work and you're in the parking lot and you're like, pinch it off, guys. <laughs> <laughs> go eat. We're going to go eat. Yeah. Sean, thank you so much. Thanks for being a guest. Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you, you know, for your podcast and the adventures in golf. I've, I, I mean, I've turned the guys in the pro shop to you. And, I mean, every chance I get, I'm like, you guys, it, like, you don't know golf. I mean, just give it a second and watch something like this because it, it, it's just a different um, – yeah, the guys in the pro shop here must see one slot, one side. I mean, any private course. Yeah, that's not you know the, the the adventures in golf crowd is not the private club crowd, which is kind of what I enjoy about my life right now a lot is mm-hmm. that I'm here invited to places like this or mm-hmm. invited to, you know, other courses that have at one point been the number one golf course in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's fun to go and just be like, hey, you know what? I'm doing this my way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think. I don't know to a lot of people that do like you, like you brought up, asked the question about where should I work? What should I do? I want to work in golf. It's like, well, you just got to do it your way. And if that, and if what Sean said is interesting to you about, you know, um, you know, basically, uh, I don't want to put your job into my words, but you you know what Sean does. Mm -hmm. Um, he basically scolds the grass when it, when it gets out of line. Yeah. (laughs) You're a disciplinarian. Try to bring bring it back to life. (laughs) Yeah, you're, you're a you're a grass therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you speak. You're a grass whisperer. Yep. And uh, I mean, what a remarkable job that transcends science and kind of poetry and sport. It covers so much ground. I mean, and and I take it another level with my history. There's definitely right. not a lot of super. I mean, I forgot about that. It was so long ago. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's funny because I mean, I there. I mean, here I go. I'm on another tangent. <laughs> I can tell you're getting worked but, up again. But it's like you know, I remember. Um, um, at Cal Club, um, Thomas Bastis was a superintendent there. And, you know, I would start talking to him about architecture because they were getting ready to do a restoration, and I can just see him kind of like, oh, here goes Tully. <laughs> but then, like, months later, he he would give tours to the members to show them the progress and talk to them and keep them up to date and understanding of the changes because it was a huge change. I mean, you, it was a shift, a huge baseline shift there for them from a heavily treated golf course that was on the water side with Poa, and, and now it's – a fine fescue course with a lot less trees. And um, so there was a lot of shifting that baseline of the membership. And uh, I went 
I was invited to one of the talks that he did, and man, he knocked it out of the park. Really? And what's I just love to meet other superintendents that are like, you know what, Tully, I listened to your podcast and I loved it. And I'm just like, well, that's awesome. I was like, do you have any questions? I, I mean, for me, I want to make the superintendent be the high-profile guy at the golf course. It seems like you should work for the USGA. Well, I do. I do some work with them. Oh, I'm on a right. architecture archive committee. Oh, cool. So we do research, like for the U.S. Open at um, Pebble, uh, not Pebble, but at um, Olympic Club. Right. I wrote a course evolution. Um, and as you'll find out working with the USGA, they're very detailed. Right. And uh, they probably wanted it a, a year before the U.S. Open, but I gave it to them Thursday afternoon. And I was just like, guys, I'm a superintendent. I've got three daughters. Um, priority. But as soon as I gave it to them, you know, they walked it in and gave it to their the, the inf- information people. And they had a phone call from some a family member of one of the original architects of the golf course. And they were complaining. Or they weren't complaining. They were just raising issue with the fact that they didn't mention their relative's name. And they used the data that I had. And it basically said that, you know, there's only one hole left of that course that they originally designed. Whoa. And, um, and to me, that still merits their mention. Because, you know, when you design a golf course or redesign it, you have to take into consideration what was there before. Right. I mean, it's like it's like um, it's funny. That there's no laws around that, because in Hollywood, if you wrote X percent of a script, your name's on it and you get residuals. Yeah. And that's that's where I do my research and get kind of worked up when I don't get worked up anymore. I just kind of ride with it. But, you know, San Francisco, everybody wants to say Tillinghast. And I'm going to say three members, somebody else. Tillinghast, Billy Bell, and we're good. Wow. So it was so, a bit of a party. There, yeah, it was a bit <laughs> of a party. A lot of things happened, and it's still a great golf course. You can't take anything away from that. And But the original members designed the original course, put the original routing there. and But the current course that I'm going to go play tomorrow, yes. that's Tillinghast. No, blank stare. Not really. Three members. Three. Well, so you have to, I mean... You Can have we just to go give... to dinner? Let's talk about it at dinner. <laughs> Nobody cares. They're in the parking lot. They're waiting for us to shut they up, are. I promise. We can do a part two next time. Thank you for listening. When I come down and play Wilshire. Th- yes. <laughs> that would actually be a lot of fun. Yes. Because I would get so much perspective, and I'm sure you would probably. I need to see it. I could just, I could, f- I'll give you a lot of beer. I don't know. Do you yeah. drink, what do you like? You like cider. cider. I don't think they have cider at Wilshire. I'll order some special for you. Thank you. Thank you for being a guest. Thank you for being involved. My Thank pleasure. you for listening. Um, again, check out Sean's, you know, your Instagram, Tully, it's his name backwards and forwards, I guess. Forwards and backwards. My whole life has now fallen into question. <laughs> He's got a lot of Twitter accounts, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get into the political ones, but, nope. um, don't need to. thank you so much, uh, for listening and thanks for being, and, and I'm going to thank you again for being a guest. It's the third time I've thanked you. We're hungry. Yep. Good night. Good morning.